Alright, alright. So with all that said, if you'd like to help out with that, uh, with the greeters and, and people welcoming, go ahead and do that. Um, that's especially important when it comes to visitors and making them feel welcome. And then uh, if you want to help out with uh, decorating, contact my wife and we can get that organized. Okay, Samuel, go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you this day, Lord, that we all got to come out just to your house, Lord, and that we get to learn about you. I pray that you give Stephen words to speak and all of us just ears to hear. I want to thank you that we can just have a full room pretty much. I pray that it stays that way through the rest of the years in the senior high. I pray it's the same way in the junior high. I want to thank you for the great week at VBS and for each uh, person just helping out with it, that they just poured our hearts out on those kids. Um, I pray that those kids felt loved and that uh, they'd want to come back next year, maybe even just come to our church um, for the guests that don't. I pray for the kids that raised their hand to get saved or that they actually did, Lord, and that uh, there will be spiritual warfare after the Lord, but that uh, they can just stay strong in you. I want to thank you for those that went to Canal Days yesterday to go and plant seeds and just spread your word. Uh, I pray those that uh, got to hear it, Lord, um, that you would continue to water those seeds, uh, that they might get saved. I want to pray for the Mexico trip coming up, that we can just be an encouragement to the Brown family, uh, that we can get done at what we need to get done at the summer camep and uh, even if we go evangelizing, Lord, that that would go well. I pray for safety throughout the whole trip. And Lord, I also uh, just want to thank you that the Hendersons, our missionaries from Africa, are in uh, today, Lord, and that uh, Brad's teaching, or preaching today. I pray that you give him words to speak and that uh, just be a powerful message. And I pray for the rest of the day to go well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Open up your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Book of Joshua. So, kicking off this new study... Joshua, that's it, right there, Joshua, Joshua, okay, so, the book of Joshua, so overwhelmingly from the survey that I took last week, um, there were about 10 responses altogether that really encompassed the topic of walking with God and learning how to really walk with God, how to have a fruitful relationship with God. And so I decided just to compile all those together. And then as I was thinking about it and praying through it and really figuring out where we should go, uh, the book of Joshua popped into my head based on something that Pastor Mike Blake had said at camp. Because you remember in the video at the very end when he was giving that snippet, and he said that as soon as you reject Saul and you accept David as the king, as the Lord of your life, what's the first thing that's going to happen? What did he say? Giants fall. That's the first thing that happens. And I started thinking about that, and it made me think of the book of Joshua. And so you'll see where we're going when we get into this. And so we're not going to do like a complete book of Joshua study, but we're going to work our way through, especially the first, uh, probably first half of the book, and really take chapter by chapter and see the principles that God has laid out in this book. And, and it'll all make sense once we go through the introduction today. So this should be a pretty interesting study. I love the book of Joshua. Um, and it's been a couple of years since we've been in it because we were in it for the conquest camp uh, a couple of years ago with Pastor Brian Brown. And, uh, and I think it'll be really good to get back into this. All right, so let's hit this introduction. Let's work our way through this. All right, introduction. <clears throat> After salvation, the next step is learning to walk with God and making him our daily habitation through the journey of life. The same is true for those of us that have dealt with secret sins, problems, and other sin issues that have compromised our personal faithfulness to the Lord. So we're all in the same boat together. Whether you're newly saved or you're willing to deal with sin, we're all in the same boat. When we fall, 
we need to be reminded of how to walk with God. And maybe in the process of humility and repentance, we might realize we never truly knew what it meant to walk with God and make him the Lord of our life. Whatever our personal circumstances, learning to walk in step with God, following his lead wherever he goes, giving him our heart and living every moment in the center of his will should be the most important pursuit of our lives. And I think that's why a lot of you guys coming out of camp with the theme of inside out had this real struggle of like, well, how do I actually have good relationships with people? When temptation comes, how do I actually overcome that and become victorious? How do I, you know, build a, a loving relationship with God where it actually means something on a daily basis? And so that's what we're going to go through. The book of Joshua is really going to expose a lot of these sorts of things. And so before we get into any of that, we have to remember our past. We've got to recognize our present and we've got to realize our future. And so that's going to be our three points this morning. So those are our three blanks for point number one, two, and three. Remembering your past, recognizing your present, and realizing your future. And this is really the context of the book of Joshua. So when it comes to your past, when it comes to your past, thinking about the book of Joshua, what books precede the book of Joshua? The books of Moses, which are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, how many of you have heard and could even share the gospel using just those books? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We've gone through it a few times, loosely. Pastor Tom did it from the pulpit maybe about a couple months ago. Do you guys remember that? Maybe even a month ago? I'm telling you, just the order of the books of the Bible is supernatural in the way that God has laid everything out. Is there anybody that could do that? If not, that's okay. I'm prepared. <laughs> okay. All right. This is really interesting. This is one of the reasons why I know the Bible is a book from God. So you have the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. Beginnings. First three words. In the beginning. It's the book of beginnings. And so it starts off. With the book of beginnings, where God has a special creation, who are Adam and Eve, the human race, yes, us. And so he has given that creation a special purpose. What are they supposed to do? To be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. And they're not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so then you have the enemy of God come in and the enemy of God deceives them and tricks them and they end up sinning against God, which completely destroys any potential that they could have had to glorify God. And that leads to chapter five, which is the chapter of, anyone know that one? Death, because the number five in the Bible is the number of death. If you study out the number five in the Bible, you'll find that it correlates with death everywhere you see it. So Genesis chapter 5, you have, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. So you went from these people that were created in the image of God, that had a perfect relationship, to sin entering into the picture. And now, in chapter 5, they start procreating and multiplying men and women that are created in their own image. So they've lost the image of God because of sin. And so then you work your way through the book of Genesis, and there's a lot of stuff that happens. But at the tail end of Genesis, what does it end with? What does the book of Genesis end with? You guys should know this, especially coming out of the life of Joseph. Yeah, the Israelites are in Egypt because Joseph is basically second in command. And so Israel needs a place to go because of the famine. You guys did this this past week at VBS, right? And so then he tells him specifically before Joshua dies, or not Joshua, before Joseph dies, what does he tell his people? You remember? When I'm dead... 
What about his bones? Take him out of Egypt back to Israel, back home. So Egypt was never a place that they were supposed to be permanently. And if you study Egypt in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of the world. Everywhere you go, Egypt is spoken of, I mean, negatively. Everywhere you go, except for one place, and that is in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and I think also in Ezekiel as well, there's some prophecies in there where during the tribulation, it's actually going to be very interesting. You have Egypt are actually uh, partnered up with Israel against the Antichrist. It's quite interesting. So there's some things like that in the future. But in general, Egypt is a picture of the world. And so then you have the book of Exodus. So you have the book of beginnings, and it ends with death. It ends with death. You have a coffin, a dead man in Egypt. And then Exodus opens up. A new king arises in Egypt. And now Israel is in, in slavery, in bondage to an evil guy, Pharaoh, who wants nothing to do with God. 400 years, they're in bondage. And what ends up setting them free? What sets them free? God sends Moses, and he is called the deliverer, right? He is the deliverer to deliver God's people out of Egypt because there's no way out. And so then there's 12 plagues that unfold, and what's the last plague? Yes, yeah, so ev- the firstborn of everything dies. So you have the angel of death come in, and this is what's called the Passover. Now, why was the Jewish feast called the Passover? Somebody explain that to me. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, the angel of the Lord, which actually could actually be Jesus Christ himself. It's quite interesting. You can take a look at that. But anyway, you take a look at that whole picture. And so you have this whole event unfold where God comes in and says, all right, Israel, here's what you're going to do. And actually, the Egyptians could have done this as well, by the way. You're going to take a lamb. And what kind of a lamb was it supposed to be? A spotless lamb without any blemish whatsoever. So a perfect lamb. And there was one lamb for a house. So one lamb for a house. And so they were to go and find this lamb, and they were supposed to sacrifice that lamb, and then take that blood of the lamb, and they were to apply it to their doorposts. So if we were to pretend this would be a door, Pastor Tom does this a lot, you apply the blood to the top. Actually, you know what? Let's just go over here. I'm going to go to an actual door. All right. So take that blood of the lamb, and you're supposed to apply it at the top, side, and the other side over here. Now, what's interesting about that is that when it's applied here, here, and here, now, this is an interesting picture. You could actually draw a cross between the two, and everything's completely covered. But another way that I've looked at this, too, is that it's across the top and the sides. And so whoever enters in or goes through that door is completely covered by the blood of the lamb. And so when the death angel passes over and he sees that blood, everybody in the house is safe. But if he passes over and he sees that there is no blood applied, it's not even proper grammar, right? There is no blood. There be no blood applied to the door. <laughs> All right. Then the firstborn in that house is dead. And not just of people, but of cattle and everything else in that household. <laughs> and so if you can imagine, that's the last thing that unfolds. Pharaoh doesn't obey God. He doesn't want to submit to God. So he doesn't apply the blood. And then his son dies. His heir, the next king of Egypt, is now dead. And so they finally tell him, go, get out of here. And so that's what leads Israel out of bondage, the blood of a spotless lamb. Ironic? Of course not. God wrote the Bible. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He put that picture in there on purpose because it was foretelling of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us. The only way out of bondage, the only way out of sin is through the blood of a spotless lamb. That's it. 
You have no strength, no power inside of you to be saved on your own. You can't do good enough. You can't be strong enough. It's not going to happen. The more you try to fight against sin, the stronger it gets. The more you try to struggle against those secret sins in your life, because you're not really willing to deal with them honestly, you think, I'm strong enough, I got this. The more you find out you actually can't. And that's exactly what happened in Egypt. Because when they tried to rise up, their work got harder. The taskmasters got more brutal. And that's exactly what sin does in your life. And so the only way out is through the blood of a spotless lamb. And so then that leads us into the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. All right. So in the book of Leviticus, what's interesting about Leviticus is the name actually means joined to. Joined to. If you study out the word Levi... Leviticus, that's where it comes from. It means join to, join to God. So now that God has redeemed his people by the blood of a spotless lamb, they are now in the wilderness, and now he has to teach them how to walk with God and how to worship God in the wilderness, and that's Leviticus. If you were to take the book of Leviticus, which, by the way, is one of the most breathtaking reads that you'll ever have in your entire life, a lot of dry details. But what's interesting about the book of Leviticus is that if you were to take the book of Leviticus and you were to apply, like some of you guys have the words of Christ in red in your New Testament. How many of you got that? Like in your New Testament, you've got the words of Christ in red. Okay. So if you were to take that same principle and you were to apply that to the Old Testament, just turn to Leviticus real quick. Hold, hold Joshua and just go to Leviticus. Let me show you how many words would actually be in red. All right, Leviticus chapter 1. Okay, Leviticus chapter 1. All right, so the words that would be in black would be, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, and that's it. That's the only thing that would be black. The rest of the verses from verse 2 to the end of the book would be completely red. Straight from God's mouth. So Leviticus is actually a very important book. And it's a book, honestly, that I've read, I don't know, I've probably read it at least maybe 25 times now. But by the time I got to the 12th, 13th, 14th, there's some things in there that I started to see. And as I studied the rest of my Bible and I came back to the book of Leviticus, there's some amazing, amazing things in there. In fact, there's some things that we looked in there when we did a study on the tabernacle that we could get into the book of Leviticus. And it's just absolutely amazing the pictures that God uh, draws up in there. It's uh, quite amazing. So the entire book of Leviticus would be read except for verse 1. And so it's a very, very important book. And so in that book, he teaches them how to worship God in the wilderness. And then after Leviticus, we got numbers, numbers. And so now, since they're free from bondage and no longer, sin has no longer control over their lives and our lives. But here's the deal. While you're in the wilderness, which by the way, the wilderness is a lot like the world. While you're wandering around in the world, you're going to be tempted to not believe God. And if you choose not to believe God, then you're going to continue to wander and wander and wander and there's going to be no way out of the wilderness. So you have to learn how to believe God. But if you choose to just, you know what, I'm going to stay put, I'm not going to believe God, then you're going to shrink. Because if you take the numbers of, of, the, of the people in the, of the nation of Israel that started off in the wilderness and then you take it at the very end, you find out that they shrank. They did not grow. They actually got weaker and they got smaller. Because there's a generation that did not believe God. And that's what's going to happen. So sin's going to keep you in bondage. And you're going to wander in the wilderness and you're not going to be able to grow. And that's the book of Numbers. It's quite, quite amazing. And then you got the book of Deuteronomy right after that. And so with Deuteronomy, what's interesting about this is this is actually the second giving of the law. God gave his law in the book of Exodus. 
And he gave his law in the book of Leviticus. And then you start to see the people living it out in the book of Numbers. And then in Deuteronomy, God gives his law again. And he gives his law again because the old generation had died. And so as you spend time in your Christian life, that you start learning how to walk with God and you make some mistakes because you just don't believe God. And, you, you know, there's other things that happen in your life where you're just like, you know what? I know what God has to say, but I'm just not going to hear him out. And you start doing that, you're going to continue to wander. But once you come to the point where you're like, you know what? I can't keep living this way anymore. I need to actually love God. I want to learn how to love God. And this is where I feel like a lot of you guys are at. I'm done with doing the things that I used to do. I need to learn how to love God. I need, I need to learn how to walk with God. God gives him his law again. But this time, throughout the entire book, he throws in something very important. He says, love me because you obey me. And this is where we get those verses that Jesus even quoted in the New Testament, where he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with everything that you've got. That's where it comes from, Deuteronomy. And so he's telling his people, obey me because you love me. But what happens is that you have to let the old generation die. That's what happened in the book of Numbers. You have to let that old part of you die and go away and never resurrect it again and love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And once you do that, then you have the book of Joshua. And what I love about the book of Joshua is that now we are in this position. And I feel like a lot of us are somewhere in between Deuteronomy and now Joshua. But what I love about Joshua, let's take a look at a couple passages here. I want you to see this. The book of Joshua is one for us to really hold on to because of one very, very important thing. And I got this later in your study sheet, but I want to look at it now. So hold your spot in Joshua 1. Turn to Acts 7.45. Acts 7.45. You have Stephen preaching. Not me. I mean, yes, I am teaching and preaching, but this is the martyr, Stephen, who gave his life in Acts chapter 7. That one. Yes, that one. I want you to see this. This is quite interesting. You're not going to find this in any other translation of your Bible other than the King James Bible. Acts chapter 7. So if you happen to have a different version of your Bible this morning, I want you to take a look at what you have and look at the person next to you if they have a King James. This is quite interesting. Acts 7, and I want you to see this. All right, so Stephen is preaching, and he's giving the full history of the nation of Israel, and he's laying everything out really, really clearly. And then he starts working his way through, working his way through. In verse 35, he says, This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? So he starts talking about Moses and how Moses delivered uh, the nation of Israel from Egypt. And then you're kind of working your way down. In verse 44, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, and that's where they ended up having the tabernacle as a result of the book of Leviticus, as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. And then look at this. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with... Who? What? Huh? What is that? Jesus. Jesus. So... Into the Jesus brought him with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers under the days of David. What was that actually Jesus that led them into the promised land to take the land of the Gentiles? No, who was it? It was Joshua. But yet here it says Jesus. Why? Anyone know? Yes, exactly. So if you were to take Joshua, Yeshua, and you were to take it from Hebrew into English, you get the word Joshua. That's why in your Old Testament you have the book of Joshua. 
Hebrew to English, Joshua. If you were to take Yeshua from Greek into English, what do you get? Jesus. So, put this together, two and two equals four. You have an Old Testament book in your Bible titled Jesus. That is thinking amazing. And when you study out the book of Joshua, you find out God's people follow the lead of a commander of an army named Jesus to go in and conquer the land that God promised them many, many years ago. And as they follow his lead and submit to his authority and do what he says, they're able to conquer lands, nations, cities, giants, and everything because it belongs to God. Now, if that kind of stuff does not, at this moment, give you goosebumps, there's something seriously wrong. You're not connecting something in your head and in your heart. You have a book in your Bible that God wants to teach you and he wants to show you pictures of if you follow your commander, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will go into your life and help you conquer anything, every stronghold, every enemy, every city, every giant that's in your life, inside and out, he will lead you to the point of victory. So everything you need to know how to walk with God is the book of Joshua. This is why when Mike Blake had said, as soon as you reject Saul and you receive David, giants are going to fall. And then I'm like, Joshua, we need to talk about Joshua. We need to go through the book of Joshua because there's so many things in the book of Joshua. How to come together, how to obey God without knowing what's in the future, how to risk everything in order to do what God told you to do and to be obedient, how to overcome sin when there's sin in your life and it just ends up destroying everything. How do you deal with it? There's so many things in the book of Joshua, so many things. And so this is going to be the book that we go through. All right, for you to write down as well, you have uh, Acts 7.45, but also Hebrews 4.8. It should be on your study sheet somewhere. But that's another place where it's translated as Jesus in your New Testament when it's actually Joshua. So God gave you that on purpose. God put that in your King James Bible. And a lot of uh, modern translations, they update that and they actually say Joshua. But in doing that in the modern translations, you completely miss out on a key that God wanted you to know. He wanted you to know that you have a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Jesus. And that you need to study that book and you need to understand the principles in that book so that way you can be victorious in your Christian life. I love that about our God. He's so good to us. So after being saved, because we were dead in sin, Genesis, Exodus, he redeems us by the blood of a spotless lamb. And then you have Leviticus, how to walk with God and love him. But we're going to struggle in the book of Numbers and we're going to wander and we're going we're gonna to end up dying. We're going to just get sick of this. And we're like, I'm done. All right, fine. Deuteronomy, obey me because you love me. And now that you love me and you want to obey me, now follow your high commander, the Lord Jesus Christ, and actually be victorious for once. You see why we're here? This is why we want to go to the book of Joshua. So I hope you guys really get this. And this is going to be a study that you're going to want to chew on. And if you miss a week, man, listen to the podcast. Because this is going to be one that you are not going to miss anything if you really want to be victorious in your Christian walk. Okay, so that's our past. Let's try to buzz through the rest. Number two, recognizing your present. Recognizing your present. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We already talked about how Joshua means Jesus. And there's your two references there, Acts 7.45 and Hebrews 4.8. So I want you to see how God puts this in here in Joshua 1, 1 through 5. Give me five readers. One, two, three, two over here. Four, five. Okay. Joshua 1, 1 through 5. Go in that order. Now after the death of Moses... 
the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' Moses's minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Gittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. And there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor force take thee. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so recognizing your present. Okay, so if you're born again in this room and that's you, you have been saved by the blood of a spotless lamb. I think through camp from inside out, a lot of you are like, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with sin. I'm tired of struggling with sin. I need to deal with it once and for all. I need to follow Jesus Christ. I need to let those things die. I need to follow him. That's where we're at. That's where you should be. Now, some of you might be already going backward. Stop. Stop going backward and go back to where you were at the end of camp. Remember your commitments. Remember your commitment to the Lord and follow his lead. Because this is where we're at as a youth ministry. We all need to be in this together. We're a youth ministry. We are a little body within a big body here at the First Baptist Church of Jackson. We need to be helping one another. We went back and we started talking about how we need to be a family. This is what it means to be a family. We need to help each other. We need to get on each other's cases if need be when it comes to issues. And Andy's saying yes. He knows that because I've got on his case about things in his life. Okay, so when it comes to these sorts of things, we have got to be on the same page with this. Do you really want to walk with God? Do you really want to follow him? Well, then love God and keep moving forward with whatever Jesus tells you to do. Because this is what we need to do. So here's our first point under number two. Moses is dead. And that is the law. The law. Someone look up John 117. John 117. Haley. John 117. Moses is dead. Now, anytime that you see in your Bible, it's referenced all over the place. The law of Moses. The law of Moses. The law of Moses. It's all over the Bible. And so the law came through the hand of Moses. He was the guy that was up on the mountaintop. When God gave it to him and God wrote it with his own hand and he brought it down, he brought the law. He's the one that delivered the law. He was known as the guy who brought the law. He was the law giver. John 117. Go ahead. When the grace was given by Moses, but grace and truth... Oh, yeah, you did it wrong. Say it again. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> when the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay. So right there, in that one verse, you have a contrast. The law was given by Moses, not grace, although Moses was gracious, so I will give you that. Okay, so the law was given by Moses, but then grace and truth came from who? Jesus, okay? And ironically, when you go and you study the life of Jesus, he said, there's going to be another prophet, and even Moses said this, you're going to be looking for another prophet like unto me. And so there's these pictures that you have of Moses and Jesus. He gave the law, Moses gave the law, Jesus brought grace and truth. And he fulfilled the law, and through his death, he killed the law so that we don't have to follow the law anymore. Because you can't follow the law. None of us are perfect. And so he fulfilled it so we wouldn't have to, and he gave us grace. But along with that, he gave us the truth as well. And so here in verse 1, look at this. Now after the death of Moses, so the law is dead. It came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, or who? Jesus, Jesus, 
The son of, they say it's actually pronounced Nun, but I like Nun because it just goes better with the picture. The son of Nun. So, Moses' minister saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, what is that word? Arise. What is that? What? What? Get up. Get up or with Jesus, the... Yes, the resurrection. The resurrection. Do you see that? It's right there. It's right there. Prophetically speaking, God is showing you the picture of the resurrection. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give unto them, even to the children of Israel. Oh, my goodness. Okay. This is amazing. So the moment someone is born again, bam, the life of Jesus Christ, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ now enters into that person Now they are supposed to arise with their Lord and go across the Jordan into the land that God promised them. You guys see that? Okay, that's exactly what the Old Testament is teaching. And that's exactly what the New Testament teaches. And this is why we need to go into stuff like this. So the law is dead. And now Joshua, letter B, Jesus is told to arise and lead his people into the land. And this is why you have verses in your Bible like John 14, 6. What's that one? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is a very important verse that you've got to have hidden in your heart. Because as you follow the Lord, then you have access to the Father. And you're able to conquer all these things in our life that that tend to just bog us down. And look at verse 3. Look at what he says about following Jesus. Every, what is that? Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon... That have I given you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. And there shall not any what? Man. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now, hold on a second. I want you to see that because he says, everywhere you go, it's yours. Anyone who stands against you, they lose. Now, there is an exception to this. And I want you to see this. Here he's, who's he speaking to in verse three? Every place of the sole of your foot. Whose foot? Joshua. Your foot? No. Joshua. Get that. I want you to make sure you guys really, really get that. Look at verse five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee. Who is that thee? Joshua, Jesus, is that you? No. I want you to make sure this is really, really clear. Really clear. And here's why. There's a lot of us that we think that we can go out on our own, away from the Lord. We have our own plans, our own ideas, and that somehow we can go wherever we want and we're just going to be safe. No. Nope. That is not true. God did not tell you everywhere where your foot goes is yours. God did not say anyone that stands against you will lose. God did not say that. He said anywhere where Jesus goes, anywhere where his his foot goes, it belongs to him. Anyone that stands against Jesus, they lose. And so what do you need to do? Follow Jesus. When Jesus moves, you move. When he fights, you fight. It's not a thing where all right, God, I'm heading into this and I pray that you'd bless me in the process. Mm-mm. 
All right, God, I'm really sticking up for your name and I'm fighting for you. God, help me win this battle. No. No. It's, God, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to do this? Because I only want to do this if you want me to do this. God, there's this battle that I think that if I were to get into it, it could be super, super messy. It could be really, really hard. I mean, if you want to fight this battle, I'll follow you. But if you don't want me to go there, make it clear. See the difference? It's very, very different. Very different. Trevor, get up here. All right. Great example, okay? A lot of us in our Christian walk, I'm pretending to be Jesus just because I'm a little bit bigger. Okay? Sorry. All right. Sorry. Sorry, I'll give you a massage in the process. Okay. All right. So this is us. This is you and me. This is what we tend to do. And so when he goes this way, he's expecting me, Jesus, to follow him. And I'm like, no, 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 Trevor, I want to go this way. And then he's like, well, no. And then he comes up with his own reasoning, his own logic about why he wants to go this way. And he can say, well, but I can really do it. And it can really be even a good example. And maybe I can even witness some people in the process. And Jesus is like, "Mm -mm, I want to go this way. But yet we're so stubborn and we tend to just do it over and over and over again until we convince ourselves that God is with us when he's never with us. When instead, Trevor should be behind me. And as I say, hey, Trevor, we're going to go this way. (laughs) Then he should do that. And if I go this way, Trevor should be following. Now, is that weird? Following me like that? A little bit. Okay, why is that? I know, right? It is. It's a little weird. It's humbling because he's not in charge. He's at the will and the mercy of somebody else. And whatever I do, that's what he does. That's what it means to be a Christian. But a lot of us, we want to be out front. We want to be in charge. We want to call the shots. We want to control God, and it doesn't work that way. If you want to try it, go ahead and see how it works out. I know that you've tried that a few times. How's it worked out? Bad. Really bad. Every time, right? Yes. Every time. Every time. Every time. That's what it means to follow the Lord. Wherever he goes, you go. Whoever he fights, you fight. It's not the other way around. And I want to make sure that is abundantly clear because God says every place the soul of Jesus' foot goes, it's his. And every person that stands against Christ will lose. And so if you want to be victorious in the land of your heart, in the land of your mind, in the land of your school, in the land of your family, if you want to be victorious against the enemies that are going to try to destroy you from the inside out, then you have to follow Jesus' lead. And if you're going to follow Jesus' lead, then what do you have to do? How do you follow Jesus' lead? This is the class participation portion. (laughs) What do you got to do? Yeah, and how do you watch and listen to Jesus? Okay, absolutely. That's the first step. The Bible. The Bible. Yes, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow! All right. But forget your Bible, forget to pray, forget to pray, forget to pray. Forget your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink down like a midget. Okay. Spiritually, spiritually, spiritually. Any of you on the recording? Spiritually. I did not mean that as a, okay, moving on. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. But in order to read your Bible and pray every day, it has to come from a heart that really wants to follow Jesus. 
from a submissive heart attitude as you stand behind your Lord and you want to follow him everywhere he goes. You understand? Now is the time to really understand this principle because a lot of these things God had already churned up in the really the fallow ground of your hearts and really wanted to rip these things up so that way you get this stuff so you really understand because I want this study to be beneficial but it can only be beneficial as you really get this because this is so critical these are one of those things it's a lifelong lesson but if you can get some of these things now and start now you'll be so far ahead of many of the adults in our church because there's so many adults that are struggling with this there's things about this that we struggle with on a daily basis And so you guys need to get this. If you want to be successful this summer, if you want to be successful in your houses with your relationships, as we study those on Wednesday night, if you want to be successful at school, being an effective minister, actually making an impact, not according to what you think, but according to what God wants to do, then you have to follow his lead. And it cannot be you in charge. You can't be in charge. You have to follow his lead. You have to. And so this entire book is learning how to follow his lead, follow his lead. And so if you really want to win, then you have to follow him and you have to stand with him and more specifically stand behind him and help him. Because in our future, in Revelation chapter 20, you know what happens in 21? What happens in chapter 20 before you have 21 with the new heavens and the new earth? Yes, Jesus wins. But you know what happens in chapter even 19, 19 into 20? Who comes to conquer the earth? Come on. Who's riding on that big white horse? Jesus is. He's the one that slays everybody. And then guess who comes behind him? His army, which is us. He's going to give you like this little... So, I know God has a sense of humor. He has to. Okay. So I can imagine that. Andy's like last horse and it's like a little pony and he's got a little. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be riding that ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. You ride what you were. Okay. So. <laughs> so. Hey, it's biblical. It's biblical. You know, Bible, King James, ass is a donkey. All right. Any of you. Okay. All right, so, but even in that picture, even in that picture, Revelation 19, you have Jesus coming to conquer. And as he conquers, we follow. We follow him into battle. You don't conquer. I don't conquer. He does. And we follow him. Oh, my word. I wish you could really get this because I have so many bad mistakes in my life that I regret with all my heart because I didn't follow him. I followed me. And I did it in the name of God, and it was a disaster. It turned out to be blasphemy to the Lord. I turned out that my life was spitting in his face because I wasn't following him. And so then realizing your future. And so what I love about this, point number three, and we're just going to end on this one quickly because uh, it, it, it definitely relates to what's going on, but it definitely ventures a little bit farther. So you got to know your past, got to know your present, where God wants you now. He wants you to conquer that land that he's given you. But also, to have the right frame of mind in the present, you have to know what's coming in the future. And so what I love about this is that back in the past, before Israel even came in to conquer the promised land, God gave it. He promised it to who? Who did he promise it to? Nope. I mean, yes to Moses, but first it was Abraham. Now, Abraham, man, Abraham was like way, 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 way long before Moses and the nation of Israel even showed up. 
And God promised it to him. And so God gave a glimpse of the future to God's people. And so that way, when they're in bondage, it always gave them hope. As they were following Joshua, it always gave them hope. Always. It should have. I mean, even in the book of Numbers, you'll study and you'll find out that, that Moses sent out how many spies? Twelve. How many came back giving a good report? Two. How many came back with a bad report? Ten. And do you realize that the entire generation of all those people died except for two men? And it was the two that believed God and said, we can take this land. Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. And Judah is where Jesus was going to come from. So two men that loved God with all their heart, one with the name of Jesus and the other one that came from the tribe of Jesus. They believed God and they wanted to go in and take that land. And so those are the only two men that were allowed to survive the disobedience of the nation of Israel in the wilderness. And so that's what you need to realize is that your hope of your future will help guide you here and now. And the sad part is, is that when you really take a look at that, I mean, you got what? Okay, we said two out of 12. What is that? What's the fraction on that one? One sixth. Typically speaking, Christians, that's what happens. About one sixth of Christians actually believe God and are able to be successful. Generally, it's a biblical principle God laid out in the scriptures. And so when you understand things like that about your future and how your eternal destination is assured, death is no longer a mystery to you, you're adopted into God's family and that could never be taken away from you, in the future you're going to receive a glorified body that will never sin, it will never grow old, it will never suffer pain, it will never become diseased, injured, or die, it will never lack anything at any point in time. You understand that you're on the side that God defeats sin, death, the devil, and he rules and reigns throughout the universe and we get to rule and reign with him as we serve him in his kingdom for all eternity. Once you understand that is your future, it makes decisions here and now much easier. Much, much easier. And it helps you to follow Jesus and surrender your will to him when you understand your future. Because a lot of us, we freak out about our future. We're really worried about our future. But see, what you're worried about is your temporal future. What you need to really be worried about is your eternal future. And if you're born again, it's set. You're done. You can cash in on that now. Understand what's to come and it will help you make the decisions now that you're so worried about. But you'll make those decisions as you're following the Lord into God, what decision do you really want me to make? Is this something that will really honor you? I really want you to make this clear. And it would be much better to be 100,000 steps behind God than even one step in front of him. It would be so much better, so much better. And so even if that means that you have to wait longer to know that you have the right answer, do it. It is so much better. We want things now. We can't wait for certain things. And God's telling you, listen, I want you to wait. If you wait, it will be what's best. But if you're going to choose your own way, then go for it and you're going to get burned. And that's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens to a lot of us. So let's not make the same mistake that Israel made and let's actually follow the Lord. We don't have to have a generation die in our life. We can actually be like Joshua and Caleb and believe God from the onset. And actually go in and follow the Lord as he wants us to conquer this land. So this is going to be a great study. This is going to be a great study. So just to kind of cap it off at the end, that last paragraph. Right now, looking ahead, the Lord Jesus Christ is asking you to follow his lead as he heads into the land that he has promised to you. And as you humbly allow him to conquer and possess your own heart and life, he will change you from the inside out and use your unique life and testimony to conquer and possess the circumstances and people in your sphere of influence. All for the honor and glory of God the Father. 
And that is the truth. So that's going to be what this study is all about. So I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm excited. We're going to get into the rest of chapter one. I don't know how many messages are going to be in chapter one, but there's several things here that are really critical that we may just need to slow down and take some more time with chapter one. But we'll work our way through the book of Joshua a little bit. All right? Sound like a plan? Okay, good deal. All right, let's pray. Kent, go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and this morning where we can all gather together and start this, this series that really does seem like it's going to be able to help us and teach us to follow you better, Lord, and create a relationship with you that we really need. All of us coming out of camp and with the senior high changing up and all of us getting so close, we pray that you would be with us on a daily basis and protect us from the things in our lives that are going to distract us from you. Keep our focus on you and for us to learn more about you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.